Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. 21 through 2 and 11 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go and said to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said all of these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Well, happy Easter, everybody, and happy April Fool's Day, right? You know, I think uh, many pastors today are having a very difficult decision. Are you going to make the joke about Easter being the the most ultimate April Fool's joke ever? I'm not going to do it. It's too simple. It's too easy. But I I will I will play a, a prank. I uh, I love uh, lying and just. Dis- having a lot of deceit in my life, and today's my only day where I can do it. So you remember those uh, chocolate Easter eggs I gave to those kids? Remember these? Here you guys go. I I actually have a picture. I decided to do something a little special for these kids here. Uh, Cherry tomatoes are what? Here we go. Who wants a cherry tomato? There you go. It's a great, uh, just think. Just think right now in their little kids' class, the weapons that they've become, right? <laughs> do you throw them? Do you, you know, bite it and let it squirt out the side like we all did at Jason's Deli? So, uh, yes, it is Easter. I love Easter. I love Easter so much. We get to dress in pastel colors. Uh, we have a mixture of two of my favorite things, which is, uh, we find this in Easter egg hunts, competition and candy. I love that. But also, as like many pastors, I love the fact that people flock to church. For some weird reason, people still come to church on Easter. It gives us pastors great hope and sometimes great disappointment later on. I have some friends who, uh, they go to church only twice a year. And I'm like their token weird friend who's a pastor. And so they go to church twice a year and they come to me and they say, Mark, every time I go to church uh, on Christmas and Easter, I hear the same two messages. God, don't you have more material than that? <laughs> the reality is, is that there's few, there's like few surprises on the text and the experience of Easter that we share this day. But 
We need it. For some reason, I think that we flock to church on Easter because we have this innate longing for this message. A guy named uh, Julian Barnes, he had a famous novel called Nothing to be Frightened of, and he opened up the, the novel. This is the first line in the novel, and I think it speaks to our culture. I don't believe in God, but I miss him. I think there's something that resonates with this comment for a lot of people in our society today, that we've graduated from our belief in God, that we have, you know, we have more trustworthy things to put our hope in. We have science and technology and progress and Wikipedia, and uh, we've moved beyond our, our hope in a childish dream like there's a God out there. But we still miss God. We have this longing even though we, we, we know that miracles don't happen, and even though we know that God cannot be human and messiahs don't come back from the dead, we, we know this, but we can't shake our longing, our desire, our wish that Easter could be true. It's like a, like a homesickness for a place that we haven't been to. We long for Easter. And so I, I, I know that many of you might be here today and your arms are crossed towards the notion of church. You've experienced too many hypocrites in your life. You've experienced too many. Maybe one of them brought you to church today. You're sitting maybe next to one right now. You might even be listening to one right now as he speaks, a hypocrite. And the reality is, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a good thing that the foundation of the Christian church is not Christians. It's Jesus, who never had a shadow, never, never did a sidestep to living with honesty and truth and authenticity. It's a good thing our hope is there. So yeah, we're a group of recovering hypocrites and misfits. That's the church. You might be here today also, arms crossed, Maybe cynical towards God because of the pain that you've experienced in your life that can't be, can't be explained away by a crocheted pillow. Why such tragedies happen in this world with a loving and perfect God? Why it seems like the tragedies fall on good people? Yeah, I don't get it, God. I don't understand it. God, you, you didn't. You haven't answered one of, that, one of my prayers about this situation, about this need. There are many reasons to come to church with a cynical heart today. And whatever path that, you, that you've come to be here today, I just want to say we are thrilled that you are here. here. We are excited that you're here. Because it's on this day, a day that our, our hearts and our souls have a longing for. It's on this day we get to hear the foundation of all of hope. Jesus' empty tomb. And we get to hear how Easter changes everything. Easter changes everything. As a church, we've spent the last six weeks walking this journey with Jesus. And one of the things that we've discovered over and over and over again is that Jesus was always surprising. Like this, like communities of people had this box that they had built for whatever Messiah would come, whatever the Savior would be, that, of course, that that person would fit into this box, and then Jesus shows up and has, like, absolutely no care and concern for the expectations that people built for them. 
And there's like one way to understand this that's been really helpful for me in these six weeks is that when Jesus stepped into this world, it was more fragmented and divided than our society today. It was more divided, it was more conflicted than our world today. And there were already lines that people had drawn of who was in and who was out. The religious were in, the non-religious were out. The moral were in, and the immoral were out. Those who struggle, who have full regrets, who have needs, they're out. The strong are in, the weak are out. And then Jesus showed up, and he saw all of these circles that already existed, and the people who were who are outside that circle of God's chosen people. And time and time and time again, he went over to them and drew a circle around them. Time and time again, he found the people who were, who were not included on God's favored ones. And you just read the Gospels and you see that Jesus went after those people. His mission was to include them into God's favor and love and mercy the racially scorned, the lower class, Jesus circled them. The ethnically despised, the destitute, the person full of self-righteousness, the communal misfit, the noisy beggar, prostitutes and cowards and sellouts and sinners, those who are way too far gone, those who blew their chance, Jesus included those people too. Now, this might be a nice concept, the notion that God loves those who are not included, the least likely, but Easter shows us it's more. If Jesus would have just spoke his his words of love, that'd be meaningful. If he had just healed those people who were crippled and blind and in need, that would show that his love has a deeper purpose. But two days ago on Good Friday, we were reminded of Jesus' death on a cross, which is the reality of God's love for you and I. And the cross teaches us that, that God did not choose to love us from a distance, that God is not just some force of love in this atmosphere. The cross shows us that Jesus' love stepped into real time in real space, as real as a crown of thorns, as a spear in his side, as real as a wooden cross to show that Whatever experience of sorrow and loss and tragedy that you have in this world, God is with you. He was there on the cross, and he's with you now. Whatever scars that you have in your life, Jesus was with you, even if you didn't know it. But would that be enough for you? Just to know that Jesus died for you? Is it enough for you to know that Jesus loved and chose to suffer alongside of you? I think that would be powerful, it would be moving, but there would be something that would be missing. It's like the last episode of the TV show Lost, when you're like, please don't, please don't end it here. Please don't stop the show now. This is our, our longing. And the reality is, I think for some of us, that's when the story is over with. It's when the credits have rolled. That there's a God out there, I'm sure of it, and this God's main goal is love, Maybe even you believe in Jesus, but that's where the story is over with. Friends, 
Easter teaches us that the story is not over. Here's how Easter changes everything. Jesus, just like he drew his circle around people and misfits and the least likely, Jesus drew his circle around the cross. And in that circle that he placed himself in was all the pain, was all the suffering, was all the sin, with all the distance and discord in this world. And when Jesus placed himself inside that circle, for the first time in all eternity, Jesus was disconnected from his Father. And he placed himself on that cross to endure the consequence of sin and separation. He entered our circle on that cross so that, and this is the point of Easter, he entered that circle on the cross so that he could grab us and drop us in his circle on Easter. Jesus said that he, he wants to experience the human, the human experience of suffering and longing so he can grab us and drop us in, right there on the empty tomb. He entered our pain so that we could enter his hope. He entered our brokenness so that we could enter his healing. He entered our defeat so that we could enter his victory. He entered our death so that we could enter his life again with our God forever. Amen? amen. I, know we're, I know we're in Austin, but we're still in the South. We can say amen sometimes. <laughs> that just makes me want to say a huge amen. That God has so claimed us. Not only did he suffer with us, but he was victorious for us, for you, for me. And in our scripture reading today that Ellen read, we, we see this picture of Mary, and that might be a picture of us as well. She thought the story was over. Did you notice when she came to the tomb? In dark, before the sun had risen. It was darkness. She went there to mourn, she didn't go there expecting to find an empty tomb. Even after she had encountered angels, it was almost like, okay, but where did you put his body? The story was so over that she couldn't see clearly. And check this out in verse 14. At this, she turned and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. Really? Come on. There's no way that... She saw Jesus, the very body that she was waiting for, but she didn't recognize him. I think that she was so blinded by hopelessness, she couldn't see clearly. She couldn't see Jesus. So in verse 15, Jesus asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Now, I know husbands, you're seeing this line, Woman, why are you crying? And you're thinking to yourself, All right, can I say that now? <laughs> Babe, I'm quoting Jesus. That's some good preaching. That's some real good preaching right there. <laughs> this word woman is not, it's not how we hear it and see it today. This is actually a, a gentle word. It's a word of tenderness. Jesus uses the same word upon the cross when he looks at his mother and says, woman, here's your son. Son, here's your mother. It's, this is a word of tenderness. It's a word of relationship. And we need to also remember that Mary here Although culturally she was looked down upon, she's the first evangelist. While the men were hiding, afraid, that she showed up. Woman of courage. We need to honor her in that way. But Jesus says in this tender, gentle way, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Think about it. Jesus is saying, who is it you're looking for? Almost to say, Mary, I'm right here. 
I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. Thank you for looking for me. Who is it you're looking for? I'm right here. And notice something. I love this in this next verse. It's something subtle. Here we are in verse 15. Thinking that he was the gardener, Mary said, If you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. This is subtle, but I think the writer of John is is trying to, to show us a deeper truth. Notice who she thought that Jesus was. A gardener. In John's description of where this tomb was, he actually calls it a place called a garden. What I think, gar- what he's saying, what John is, the writer of this gospel is trying to say is a deeper truth of where did the first encounter between God and humanity ever, what did it ever happen? It was the Garden of Eden. And it, the writer could have used any other explanation, but he's saying that here we are in this garden, and now Mary is, ex- is experiencing God risen from death. We, it's like Jesus is showing Mary the story's not over with. I'm just getting going. Here we are, the second garden. This is just the beginning. And the best is yet to come. Friends, if you call on Jesus' name, if you declare him in your need as your Savior, I just want to say your life begins there. Many of us have a great longing to start over, to have a fresh start with God and a fresh start with life. I just want to say that Easter shows us that we begin with Jesus there in that garden. And the joy is you get to look around and who else is in the circle? You got in? Really? You too? A bunch of misfits and hypocrites and people all possessed by a love stronger than our failure. But did you notice, now this is so subtle, did you notice how Jesus woke up Mary? What Jesus said to have the lights turn on? All right, this, if you want to memorize a verse, here it is. It's very simple. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. And at that, she saw him. It's so subtle, we might not think much to, of it, but I love this, that when, when Mary is so blinded by her hopelessness, and the risen Savior is right there, what he does in response to her blindness is not to criticize her, not to say, Mary, I told you all about this. How come you don't get it? What he says to her is her name. The hope of Easter is that Jesus says your name. It's a relationship with the risen Jesus. I think that we see this picture in Isaiah 43. It's such a beautiful promise. Now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob. He who formed you, Israel. Some of you need to hear this today. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Do you know the love of God claims you? I'm going to call you by name. I want you to know you belong to me now. How would you respond this day if Jesus came to you in the midst of all your doubt and your cynicism, your regret, your self-righteousness where you think that you've earned God's love and he sees that and with marks of love on him, he says, you, know, you no longer belong anywhere else. I'm drawing my circle around you. How would you experience if Jesus drew a circle around you He said, I call you by name. You're mine now. 
How would you respond to that for those who have wandered in this room? For those who struggle with doubt? For those who are just tired today, how would you respond to that? If Jesus called you by name, those who have been trying to earn forgiveness and have given up. Friends, Easter is personal. It is relational. It's for you. Friends, on this day, on Easter 2018, we want Jesus' hope to include you today. This day could be the day where you know that Jesus draws his circle around you. You need a fresh start in your year. You need a fresh start in your life. This is what Easter is all about. Who wants to receive that today? Who wants every moment, every minute, every second to begin in that place of victory? Who wants a new beginning? If that's you, you need to know this is Easter. And anything is possible. Anything is possible. 